Yo, my name is Richie Marufo of the Barbed Wire Open Mic Series, a.k.a. BWAMS, and you're listening to the El Paso Creatives Podcast Show. Without further ado, here's the show. Hey, everyone. It's Maria Brito, and I'm super excited to be here, and we will be talking about creativity, success in entrepreneurship, pivoting a career, and anything that makes your heart sing. Awesome, Maria. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, really honored and everything that you've done, your whole background and everything that you've accomplished in your life, you know, growing up and everything too. It's been amazing to read about and see. And so I know that this is going to be a very beneficial episode for everybody watching, hearing and everything. Um, just to give a quick introduction. Hey guys, my name is Isaac Hernandez. I'm your host for the Open Creative Podcast Show. And so Maria, just to start off, just give us like a two or three minute background on who you are and what you do so that people listening know kind of just a little bit before we get started. All right. Well, I was born and raised in Caracas, Venezuela, and I moved to the United States in the late 90s. I went to Harvard Law School and I graduated in 2000. After that, I moved to New York City and I worked in a big law firms for many years, nine years to be precise. And I was a very miserable attorney. So I decided to quit my career in 2009 to open an art advisory company. And what I do is I build art collections for people and I am their eyes and ears. And I just go and uh, go around galleries and art fairs around the world, checking new talent or old talents or making sure that whatever gap is in my client's collection, I can actually fit something else. But I also have a lot of other different parts of my business that are integrated with art. I am an educator. I developed a program on creativity for artists and business people and, and entrepreneurs and freelancers because I believe in the power of the mind and I believe in the power of people's uniqueness to create value in this world because I think that each one of us has a very specific skill set that we bring to the table in, that is informed by our experiences growing up and by the things that we learn. And so I am incredibly interested in mining the concept of creativity, disruption, innovation, change making, and things like that for people to utilize that to be better. And I learned most of what I know about creativity. I learned from working with artists because in this past 13 years since I quit my job as an attorney, I've had the opportunity to befriend and watch artists super up close. I know how they live. I know how they uh, work. I know how they rest. I know how they think. And so a lot of artists are shy and they have a hard time articulating their creative process or what other things they do. And I was very... I was lucky to be able, and I continue to be very lucky to be so close to them and to take notes about their lives. And on the other hand, I have been able to work with people who are incredibly famous and, you know, hip hop moguls and Oscar winning actors and things like that, that I have also learned from them. And so I feel that I'm in a very special position where I can straddle a lot of different worlds the world of business, the world of art. And I feel that it's important for me to translate all the knowledge that I have gained in the past few years so that other people can benefit from that too. And so that's why I write. 
and I write for magazines and I write my own newsletter every week. Uh, and I, um, you know, I also consult for companies who, I mean, the CEOs and, and the executive team who want to like be better and get a different perspective and um, creativity and innovation. So I do a lot of things basically, but they are very much tied together. Right. And what, what I really love about it is that it's a tree that you have different things within it, but each one is to help the creative industry, to help the artists, to really, and since the platforms that you've, you've begun and the platforms that you have, you're using them to really speak out about, you know, what it is to really be out there and helping out these artists and keeping the creative, creativity going. So I just want to jump back a little bit to, you know, your originality. You came from Venezuela, you graduated from Harvard. Tell us about that <laughs> whole journey and everything about, you know, how you got to the point you're at right now and all the resources maybe that you had um, yeah. from that point from when, coming from Venezuela and graduating from Harvard. Yeah, that's a very, it's, uh, listen, progress is not linear. And I think that's very important that we understand that when you move forward in life, it doesn't mean it's like an upward trend all the time or it's a straight line or, you know, you have a lot of ups and downs and detours. And yes, I grew up in Venezuela and for uh, Latino folks that are listening to this, I think it's important to understand the context when you are born and raised in South America back in the 70s and 80s. I, I am that old. So when um, I was little growing up in a very conservative family, Catholic, where there was no option but to be an attorney or a doctor or an engineer or things like that, that my parents perceived it was a dependable career that would make them look good, basically. It was like their own ego trip, unfortunately. And when you're that young, it's very, it's hard to separate yourself from your parents, you know, like you're, you're little and you have not embraced fully your identity, but you still take advantage, you know, you take advantage of the things that are around you, but you also listen to what your parents say. So, you know, I personally wanted to be an artist or wanted to be something like a singer or a fashion designer, all sorts of things that had nothing to do with being an attorney. But I was a very good writer and I was a very, and I read very fast. So as I was, you know, growing up, my, my parents were like, well, and so, you know, you're going to be a lawyer, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be an engineer and this and that. And I was like, I have absolutely no desire to see blood and I am very bad with math. So I can't be an engineer. And by default, I decided that, you know, it was interesting to me, this idea of justice and pursuing a better world and things like that. And so, you know, I, uh, I graduated college in Venezuela and I, I had a desire to leave since I was very young. And I think I already explained to you that I, I, I was very different from the rest of the people. And I just didn't understand um, in general, the society for me was very, it was like, I felt that I was from the 20th century because that wasn't a 20th, I was like in the 20th century and I felt that they yeah. were from the 19th, you know? Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you know, this, the, the constant sadness of, a, of Latin American countries that have been plagued by corruption, crime, uh, lack of opportunities and things like that. And I think that we all can relate to that story if you have a parent or a relative who has grown up in, in South America or in Latin America, because Mexico is the same and that's not 
South America. Anyway, so the point is, I am very proud of being Latina, but I didn't like where I was what where I was born and, and what I had around me. So I worked incredibly hard to be able to leave. And so I basically was planning my exit since the beginning. I was like, you know, I have to go. I have to really work really hard and make myself shine through school so that I can go to a good school and, you know, and leave basically. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I applied to lo different law schools in the United States and I got accepted into NYU and I got accepted into Harvard and, um, you know, uh, it was a huge transition basically because my English wasn't that great back then. It was very good because I got into Harvard, but it wasn't that great. Mm -hmm. And I also, I wasn't used to the amount of homework and reading and all the things that I, I was actually facing when I arrived and it was such a humongous shock. I mean, it was seriously so difficult for me to adapt and I mean, survive, right? <laughs> I was like, oh my yeah. God, I'm already here. Mm -hmm. I have to survive. So it was a lot of adjustments. It was, you know, horrendous winter, right? Like you live in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where like, it starts October from October to March is like 20 degrees Fahrenheit. Right. And, uh, snowstorms and all those sorts of things. But look, I mean, it was a wonderful time. I think Harvard is a dream for anybody, honestly, okay. who, whoever wanted to be, to know, like to go there. I met incredible people from all over the world. And, but uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to lie to you as we're freaking hard. You yeah, know, it's, no, it's freaking yeah. hard. What, what I really love about that story is that you faced your fears. You came from a whole different country out of the norms of what people expected you to do. And look at what you accomplished. Not a lot of people can say that they do that. And, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it took a lot of guts, a lot of facing your fears, a lot of being uncomfortableness to get to that the point I was uncomfortable and I was very young, you know, it, it, it was, uh, you know, 22 or whatever. Um, and I, it's almost like one, when things like that happen to you, you can't really overanalyze them or want to really kind of think about them too much, because if you do, you're never going to make a move. Right. And it's like a lot of what I have done in my life is about risk taking and jumping, you know, at what I think my gut tells me. And I think that when you say what resources you had, I think part of the resources that I had was that I really trusted my intuition. And I, I think that um, with technology and us getting sort of like, you know, there is so much noise around us all the time that we forget that we have an inner voice too, that is an intuition that guides our steps. So I think that instead of like using my logical brain all the time, and I'm not saying that using logic is a bad thing. On the contrary, I think that the most successful people are able to combine both an intuitive, you know, feeling and a, a body feeling and a rational mind to make decisions that take them places. So yes, I faced my fears 
that it was very difficult. And ultimately I succeeded and I moved to New York and I, I sat for the bar exam, it, which is one of the most horrendous experiences too, for me at least. Remember, listen, yeah. I'm with art and artists. I like, this was like, I had to do it, but I'm not a person who, who's, you know, my light is not very, it doesn't shine very, very bright taking a standardized test and things like that, right? So I'm a person of ideas. And so this was difficult, very difficult. But, you know, it was all worth it. I, you know, I always wanted to live in New York City and, and here I am, it's been 20 something years that I have been here. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a very, it's, it's the most amazing city in the world. And, but it's a tough city too. So it's almost like I've been calling all my life all this, you know, kind of difficult experiences. But at the same time, I feel in my heart, I want to challenge all the time. And this is important for me because otherwise I feel that life goes by and I'm, I don't like the feeling of being stuck. And that's very personal. I don't, I don't advocate for people to feel the way I feel or to think the way I think. I actually am very respectful of people's desires and feelings. I'm not necessarily a person who is preaching and you should do this and you should, you know what? Um, I've learned the hard way that, you know, your ideas and your life are not for everybody, right? And right. so you yeah. expect to really inspire people or give a little piece of advice to, to your pe people who actually resonate and, and align with your message, but that's not everybody. So yeah. I am respectful that if you do not want to be challenged and if you just don't want to get out of your comfort zone because you don't feel like that's respectable too. I'm not that way, but I, I seek challenge. I seek growth. I, I, I don't want to be stagnant. I'm always looking for the next big thing for me. Yeah. And, and that's, that's exactly what it takes because you came from all that. And now you were just named last year, a visionary from art news for the world to shape the art world. And now you have your own streaming show called the C files. And not anybody can say that. And so just talk to us a little bit now about your, your streaming show, The C-Files. But not yes. only that, just your whole success story on how you've been able to also write for different publications like Vogue, Huffington Post, New York Times, all these different Forbes. Just, just talk about all your accomplishments now. Oh, come on, Isaac. You're, you know, it's like you're going to make me feel like I'm so narcissist that I should only talk about myself. But yeah, I mean... As I told you before, I don't, when I started this business, I was paying close attention to what other art advisors were doing. And I found that they were stern and snobby and boring. And I, I said to myself, look, the contemporary art world is exciting. The artists are very exciting. The things, you know, artists have this kind of license to say whatever the hell they want. That's the truth, you know, and so it all gets into it gets protected by first amendment by you know by the fact that they're artists so i was like okay look these guys can get away with so much it's so much fun it's interesting it's a world of pure ideas why is everybody so boring and snob and so that was my first in and when i realized that people were boring and snob and nothing interesting was happening outside of what the artists were putting out in the world i saw that as an opportunity 
to create content. And that what was that back then, right? I mean, remember I opened this company in 2009. So that was 13 years ago. I mean, almost in December, it'll be 13 years. And um, I said, well, part of the reason also why I needed this is because I was a complete outsider. So I needed to validate myself. And one of the ways I found to validate myself was, well, I'm going to blog, I'm going to interview artists, and I'm going to write my impressions of places. And, you know, back then, the blogging platforms were very rudimentary. We, I, I decided to go on Blogger because I didn't want to learn how to code. I was too busy trying to figure out the business of art, which was new for me. So I went on Blogger and I was just posting, you know, crappy pictures and whatever. And that was the very beginning. So it was trying, basically. You know, it was trying. It was very mm-hmm. rudimentary. It was me putting things out there. But with the intent of, oh, promoting on Facebook and Twitter, that was the only thing that existed back then. I mean, MySpace existed, but it was not for that purpose. So I used Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, actually. And I tried to start building a community of people who would pay attention to what I was doing. And it turns out that many of the galleries started paying attention because they said, well, nobody's really writing about art and the artist in a way that is accessible. Because at the time, there were only, you know, those fancy art magazines that nobody understands. It's gibberish and it's very, you know, inauthentic and whatever. Right. So you wanted so to create something more authentic. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to create something authentic and I wanted to create something accessible and fun. So that, you know, if you were somebody who, you know, you were 20 years old and you were somewhere in the United States and you were reading my blog post, you would understand what I would try to say. And, and you wouldn't feel that you had to live in New York City or that you had to have like an RA degree and a PhD to understand, right? So I wanted to make it fun and accessible. And I did, right? Because also I didn't know how to do it any other way, right? I, I just like, I said, look, I'm going to just write from the heart. And at that time, there was, I enrolled myself in some sort of like entrepreneurial women organization. And I don't know, because it was the beginning of my, of my career. And they told me that there was an opportunity to write an article for Forbes.com. So I went and I wrote this, I mean, that was like, maybe it was a year and a half into my business. So I started writing for Forbes.com some like, you know, yeah. informational articles and things like that. But that gave me a lot of momentum because at the time it was not, everybody was writing for Forbes.com. So and that that's something me- I wanted to touch with you too, is like, cause at that moment too, everything was still growing and developing, you know, for example, like the .com, the internet, all these yes. different, like, blogging things. So keep going with that. But also, I also kind of want you to talk about like how different it is from like that point of like everything being fresh up to like how different it is to nowadays. And like, yeah. The, the technical world today and like the digital age and all these things like that? Well, it's uh, it's very different. And, I, you know, I, I, as I told you, I continued like writing has been such a powerful thing for me because I think it's what has given me every, not every break, but almost every break is given that article I wrote for Forbes, I took it as like, oh, I wrote something for Forbes. So I printed out and whatever. And there was this friend of mine who... And this was just me meeting people in New York. I want to make sure that people understand that uh, when I moved to the States, I didn't know anybody. My parents are from Venezuela. They barely speak English. They don't know anybody here. This was just me hustling. 
basically, right? The power of networking so I, and hustling. Yeah, exactly. Hustling. So when I moved to New York and I worked in law firms, I also didn't know anybody because when you're living, when you work in a law firm, you meet your colleagues who are other lawyers and you meet your clients who are bankers. I, I worked for law firms that represented banks and, uh, and you are self-contained. Like, you know, you have very little time because when you're a lawyer in New York City, you do work 16 hours a day, literally, and weekends. So I was like, okay, when I quit and I said, you know, F this, I'm going to live my life. I started hustling differently. And so I met someone who's very special and dear to me. And she said, I'm going to introduce you to Gwyneth Paltrow. And I was like, oh, fantastic. I thought she was joking. And actually, (laughs) but she did introduce me to Gwyneth Paltrow. And I, I was very emboldened by my business and my mission and my vision. And I had really, uh, I, I was breathing my business and what I wanted to do with contemporary art and bring it to everybody. And so I told Gwyneth when, when, when she introduced me what I wanted to do with my business and what I was doing. And she was very, very intrigued. And she said, well, you know, I launched this company or, or no company. It wasn't even a company. I said, I launched this newsletter called Goop and uh, I send it once a week. And, uh, you know, maybe you and I can do something. And I didn't really know if it was going to pan out, but I sent her a folder to her house with a Forbes.com. I mean, I still use it, the Forbes.com article yeah. and some other cute little things that I had gathered throughout like a year and a half, literally being in the business. And about a month and a half after I dropped that off in her, in her, with her doorman when she used to live in New York back in the day. And I get a phone call from her and I, you know, I never pick up the phone if I don't recognize the number. So uh, yeah, it went straight to voicemail. Right. And when I, I, I was like, Oh my God, who's calling? When I heard that voicemail, I couldn't believe it. You know what I mean? Because her voice is very recognizable to me. Cause I, I mean, it's been a while true. I watched all her movies growing up. So I was like, Oh my God. She was like, Hey Marie, I got the envelope. I got all the things you sent me. I think now we're really ready to do something for Goop and writing the article for Goop back in 2011, uh, gave me my first big, big break because going back to your question back then, this was a once a week newsletter in a world where celebrities did not have websites and brands and newsletters. And right. I mean, there were some people, sure, of course, but this kind of lifestyle consistent, uh, you know, she works a lot with this idea of like demystifying taboos and demystifying sexuality and things like that. Right. So that time it was like demystifying the art world. And so that was such a big thing for me because I got my first monograph through that article like it went to the publisher of my first book and she came because of that and a lot of people tons of people I mean the article was so successful that um a year after when Gwyneth turned 40 in 2012 she was uh, on the cover of InStyle magazine and they asked her can you please give us the top 10 uh, stories of goop and mine was one of those among hundreds that she had yeah, had at the time because crazy. it was still a very young business so I feel incredibly proud of that moment and it all came from writing and persistence and I know that some of the people who are listening are going to say yes but you were connected and I say I build the connections right exactly. again 
I was not connected. I build the connections. And what building connections mean really, really, really is to be in the right place at the right time and to say the right thing. We, we should never forget that how you approach people is crucial. I get a lot of messages from young artists and listen, help me. I want to be famous. That's not how you approach people, right? Yeah. I mean, like you just got to remember that it's all about the other person, right? I mean, like we get so much more when we are in the business of serving others than when we are actually begging others to serve us. Right. I mean, exactly. It, it's all about what is the angle? How do you right. approach somebody if you want something from someone? Right. And so, you know, there is a psychology that goes into that. But if anybody wants to get one tip out of whole, this whole thing is be very mindful how you approach people and try to do something for them or give them value. And this is actually, I'm telling you, um, when I was much younger and millennials could not reach out because they did not email people or <laughs> DM, I used to get a, like emails and requests from people who were more my age and they were very polite. But then after that, I think the informality of internet and Instagram and social media, whatever, took away from that level of politeness. Every time I get a super polite email, I answer for sure. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. And when the email makes sense. Right. And uh, but if it's just, hey, help me. My work is amazing and I want you to please help me. And I'm like, I don't think this is the right ask, man. <laughs> exactly. No, I agree. Yeah. And, and I agree with that whole thing you just mentioned about like how just the whole technology and digital platform just switched the way society interacts with each other. Yeah, um, I completely agree. And, and, and to go back to what you said, it's not that you, you got lucky. You literally came in and just you made the best out of an opportunity that was given to you and you networked and you you made something out of it and so for a lot of people who are saying hey you got lucky you didn't get lucky you made something happen out of the opportunity you were given i did and i think you make your own luck uh, look i mean it's, it's sometimes it's difficult to actually try to make sense of what happens in your life right because there are a million things you do not control and those things, you know, they are, I, I don't even know. I mean, how to like classify them. If you believe in God, then it might be God. If you believe that there are stronger forces, the universe, whatever. I don't know. I mean, you may not believe in anything and that's cool too. But what I'm saying is it's, um, you know, life is a very, it's a game of light vibration and alignment. Right. Mm -hmm. And this sounds woo, and, and I, I understand that. But it's also a very unknown dimension, if you will, because we don't really see and we don't have a lot of concrete information or data on how to control our own vibration and right. thoughts and, and what we attract to ourselves. What I do know is that the more open and joyous I am about what I'm doing, the easier my life is and the easier things flow to me. The more kind of control freak I feel and the more stressed or anxious I am about the outcome, the harder and the bigger the mountain is, you know, to climb. Right. So I think it's important to highlight that 
it, you have to fall into things with a certain amount of ease. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes it's very easy to say, but harder to do. But I, I would like to, for people to consider the idea that if you are doing something you absolutely love and it comes to you with, I'm not saying easy. I mean, there is a level of effort in everything that we do, but if you do something and you love doing it and there are challenges along and you're like, no challenge is going to take me away from my vision or my dream. I think you should consider yourself lucky and to know that you are in the right path. If you are all the time complaining and sad or anxious or upset, or uh, you find yourself not feeling like you want to do something, then by all means, please change gears and start living from a different place. Because I think that's why I advocate so much for creativity, because creativity is deeply intertwined with purpose, with living a meaningful life, and with expressing your real talents, no matter what you do. If you're an accountant, you can be creative, believe me, not to steal... Uh, by the way, not to steal people or cook books, but to, you know, to bring joy to the world in a different way. So I think I, I believe in, I believe in those ideas and I believe in the execution yeah. of the ideas of, of bringing your best gifts to mm. the world around you to serve others. I Absolutely. believe that. Absolutely. And I feel like this is a perfect time of throwing this question is you're somebody who became very successful out of what you became, out of what you came from. So what does success mean specifically to you and specifically how it relates to artists and creatives? What does the term success mean to you? You know, success has a lot, a lot to do with what I say about purpose and meaning. And I think that for the longest time, we've heard the word purpose in the media or in self-help books or whatever. And a lot of people think that Purpose is something like you have to be saving children in Africa from getting malaria or you have to be working in the soup kitchen or whatever. And I don't think that those are bad things at all. I mean, I think that they have a lot of purpose and meaning. But at the end of the day, purpose really is to put yourself out there in the world to do something that is meaningful to you and that brings value to others. And that it, others could be two people. You also don't have to be Amazon and send, you know, 5,000 million things every day. You know, no, it's not that. It's, right. I, think, I think for me, success is about stepping into purpose and the power that comes with realizing that you are doing the right thing and that you are bringing the best of you to the world to create something positive, right? And success has a lot of different faces. For some people, success is really to make a lot of money. And I think that's very important too. Money is not a dirty word and it's not separated from creativity. Right. If you're amazing as a creative, no matter what you, know, what you do, I think that you should be compensated for that. But I think that um, if you do not love what you do and you don't feel purpose and, and meaning in what you do, then the money, no matter how much you make, it might feel always that it's not enough, right? Because the thing is, it's inner work to be able to say, I absolutely love what I do and I feel so excited every day. Look, you know, one definition of success for me was 
when I used to be an attorney, I cried on Sundays. It was the worst day because I knew that Monday I had to go back to work, right? Yeah. Now I'm like, I'm so excited with Monday. I mean, look, I work a lot. I work on weekends, but I am so excited for Mondays always, right? Because I have so much to do and my kids are out, you know, they go back to school, whatever. And I am looking forward to my week and, you know, I don't do anything with like dread. I'm like, oh, amazing. This is such a great day, you know? And so I think that if people can think about that and kind of savor that, you know, savor that feeling of, wow, I'm really doing what I love. Exactly. Yeah. Then they can really, um, I mean, they can really use that as, as energetic momentum, if you will, to get other, you know, more accomplishments. Right. And I, I completely agree. Success is what really makes you happy on what you do every single day. Success is happiness is what I, what I relate it to. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I want to touch now into your two different programs that you have. Well, you have one that's your upcoming book, the How Creativity yeah. Rules the World, and also your Jumpstart program. How does all that tie into everything you just spoke about? Well, Jumpstart came first and Jumpstart came to answer the needs of many hundreds of people who had emailed me, texted, DM me, et cetera, say, how do you build your career? How do you transition from being a lawyer to being in the art world? What do I need to do to do something similar? Can you help me out? And so once you get so many requests, you're like, I want to figure out how to bring something to those people, right? So I created an online program, which is my masterclass. Right. And it's inside of it is, is like 40 videos um, between two and five minutes each or between two and eight, I don't know. And uh, divided in specific modules. So it's very highly organized and just people love being able to learn at their own pace and uh, understand different concepts. And then once a month, I meet with my group of you know students to answer questions. And I think it's, uh, it's part of it was my desire to give back to a community of people who have supported me, but also expand it more and kind of bring to everybody this idea that creativity is the foundation of everything, because it really is. Because w- what we're talking about here is the power of your ideas and the power of materializing your ideas, no matter what you do. You're, if you're an artist or if you're a, a business person or if you're a dentist, whatever. So I feel that there was something missing in, in that space where someone who had real life experience of building a business and at the same time experience watching artists, experience watching very, very important entrepreneurs and business people could mingle those things together. Right. So I feel that, you know, the program accomplishes that in the book, which is coming March uh, 15th, 2022, is called How Creativity Ruled the World. You said it very nicely. Um, it's a combination of all this past years in a much more robust way because a, the course is phenomenal and but when you have a book and it's you know it's 250 pages it you learn differently right I mean we all know how now that we are on screens all day long also our ability to retain information has decreased tremendously exactly. because we are bombarded with like images and sounds and whatnot 
So the book is for those people. I mean, there will be an audiobook too, but the book is for those people who actually like to have the information differently. I want this book, and it is, is actionable. It's full of action items. At the end of each chapter, there are like exercises and practical calls. And, you know, it's, it's, I'm super excited for people to have it because it's also a reference book. It is all a system. And it's a system that helps people align their minds and their businesses. It has also tons of tools of how people can actually materialize their ideas because a lot of people are like, oh, I have the idea, but I don't know how to make it a reality. So it has a lot of that to people uh, so that they can actually make their ideas a reality. And it has a, a final, the final part of the book is about how you put it all together and how people can predict change because I think that part of being creative is being ahead of the curve, right? So like how Steve Jobs did not invent the phone, yeah. but he figured out how to package all these components together in such a seamless and beautiful design. Of it right, and he yeah. changed the world, literally. He's one of the very few people who will make history because he changed the business of music, how music is consumed, how, how musicians yeah. are paid, how we can content, yeah. everything, right? Mm -hmm. So... I am excited for the book and it's already on Amazon. And if you listen to this, if you pre-order the book and you send a copy of the receipt to book at mariabrito.com, we'll give you free access to my course. So that's a really, really that's an amazing good, deal. Mm -hmm. It is an amazing deal yeah. because the book is 29 bucks uh, or whatever other prices, uh, you know, Kindle and audio and whatever. So if you pre-order it, and you send us the receipt to book at mariabrito.com. So the book is uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, at uh, the independent bookstores. Everywhere. Through, yeah, everywhere where books are sold. So I I want to give this deal to people. And uh, particularly, I'm just telling you, I have not told much people because we haven't made a formal announcement about the book. But I do want to make, I want to make this easy for people. And also, I think it's, I feel excited about being able to inspire others to follow their calling. Sometimes your calling is like literally staring at you in the eye and you're so afraid of taking yeah. that steps. As, as you said before, I walked my talk and I was able to feel all the fear and move, move forward regardless, you know? Exactly. And be honest with yourself and tell yourself the truth. You know, have a serious conversation yeah. with yourself about what type of artist or creative or any type of industry that you're in. And is it exactly yep. what you want to do? And so I also want to tie back into everything that kind of relates to your, your book and your program. Are those topics and things that have come out of like different, maybe mistakes that you learned from also yes. sacrifices, critical points that you've gone through that, you know, you, you pushed through and you're, you, you got to the point you're at right now because you pushed through those things. Is all those type of things related into the, the whole course in your book? Yes, absolutely. You know, failure is a very important part of creativity. It's a very important part of success. And I think that we live in a society that glorifies perfection and that glorifies just success, right? I mean, this is what we're listening all the time to people who are extremely successful. But what we don't get to see is that those people usually have failed many times. And, you know, we also live in an era of instant gratification. And so the minute, you know, you press a button, you get your box or, you know, I mean, it's very, things are very easy, right? Like in, in terms of how technology works. And um, I think that regardless of how technology works or how advanced we are in society, 
people fail all the time because it's human nature. And also because of what I said before, you do not control most of the variables of how things are going to play out. So I've made many mistakes. And I'm going to tell you that one of the things that I believe have been the most hurtful to me is that throughout the time that you build a business and and you sort of like navigate the ins and outs of of you know i mean being in like the a, a company owner is that you get to find people who will backstab you and people who will hurt you and this and that right exactly but yeah. but what is important here to know is that i mean you don't want to burn relationships all the time. And that's what I unfortunately did. Like, you know, if anybody would cross my way in a way that I thought it was not right, then I would just like, oh, I will discard that person, right? Or, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of like a very, I, I wrote this in the book, this line is that while business is not personal, entrepreneurship is because, People who set out to build a company on a business usually have a very close interest to that business, right? Exactly. And, and so I have very close interest in my business because it's my name and because it's small and because it's all about how I see things, right? But the truth is that you're going to get disappointed because humans are not perfect. And unless the offense is so traumatic, you shouldn't be just burning every relationship out in the world, right? I mean, pride and uh, and anger and pettiness shouldn't be things that rule a business relationship. So, and that I, leads to failure too. If you're, those are the things you focus on, yeah. Yeah. So I think that if I could do it all over again, honestly, I would try to not burn relationships with people who. It doesn't really matter if I thought at the time that they were valuable or not valuable to me. I think every human being is valuable. But what I'm saying is that, you know, I should have been able to separate my emotions a little bit. Not completely. I think, uh, you know, I I don't want to behave in those ways that women are like, I don't have emotions and whatever. No, no, no. I do have a lot of emotions. I'm Latina after all, but, but yeah. I want to make sure, yeah, but I want to make sure that what, what what the the audience understands out of this is that you've got to be very careful with the fights you pick because yeah. you, because you don't know who and why are going to be able to help you in the future for something and then you've crossed out that person and it's really late to fix that relationship again so I think that 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 is something if I, I'm hoping to leave people with an idea that's uh, it's very haunting sometimes to me. Yeah. And, and just just to add on to that, then what would be that piece of valuable advice that you're going to give out or that somebody's given to you that you want to talk about that is really going to help somebody? Just that one piece of advice that you want to share. You know, I think that people should be less afraid of expressing their minds and their ideas as they authentically come. And I think that we have been conditioned 
to believe that we're going to come up short. And because we are in a country where there is a lot of success and money too, we look around and we tend to compare ourselves with others. And then we say, nah, I'm not going to do that because somebody else and so-and-so did it better or because so-and-so has a bigger Instagram account or a bigger TikTok following or whatever. And I think that what that does really is a disservice in general to society. It's really leaving millions of dollars on the table because every idea when it's well thought and refined, I'm not saying just throw things like a spaghetti at the wall. I'm saying there are tons of amazing ideas that come from people and their uniqueness, their immigration stories, or their you know, or the combination of factors that allow them to be who they are, the education they had, the experiences, if they were soldiers in war, whatever. Listen, it's the world is vast and, and we do have tons and tons and tons of people with phenomenal ideas that have been formed and informed by their experiences. So the fear of, of, of moving forward with those ideas has left a lot of fantastic and phenomenal businesses and artists and whatever in the dark because we don't get to see them because they are afraid of criticism or failing short of like coming up short or failing or whatever. And I just want to really encourage people to, to come up to the forefront and express those amazing ideas and, or, or bring that amazing art or, create those inventions and, and, and tell us, you know, and, and, and be ready for failure, but knowing that perseverance, perseverance and, and determination are um, more important than anything. Exactly. And yeah, just, just keep going, be determined. I love that. And yeah. Maria, the last question I have for you before I let you go is compared to where you're at right now, what is something, you know, you wish you would have known when you first got started? I think that you always sort of like underestimate the amount of work that goes into building a company and a brand. And when I was an attorney, I was working, you know, I told you 16 hours a day, sometimes weekends were like 10 hours or whatever. And I thought, well, when I have my business, I'm kind of like not work as hard. The truth is that while I don't have to be working 16 hours in an office, I work, you know, I mean, I probably work. 14. Okay. I work 14 hours and I probably work 10 hours over the weekend because even when you have people who help you and even when you have staff and teams and whatnot, if you do not have an eye and a hand in your business, it's going to suffer. Right. And you know, unless you're a, a serial entrepreneur and you just want to grow a business to sell it, which is an amazing thing to do too. You grow different businesses and you sell them. You have to be very mindful that even when you train people to be there for you, you have to, you have to be present all the time. And so if you think that you can have a business to work less than where you are right now, that's a fallacy. You know, that four hour work week or whatever, that's not true. That does not exist. It takes, as you know, you're a podcast host and you do a lot of other things and it just takes an enormous amount of work to do all these things. Producing content, which everybody should be in the business of producing content because it's the, is the most effective marketing platform that anybody can have. 
takes good content. It's a lot of work, right. you know? So yeah. I, yes. So putting out good content out in the world takes time and effort and polishing skills. And, you know, you've got to edit, you got to do a lot of things. So it's I think a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that there's no bottom line is folks, there's no shortcuts, shortcut to being successful. There's no shortcut to, to really basking in the glory of, you know, your effort and what you've built. And that, you know, there is no four hour work week. I'm sorry for Tim Ferriss, um, who works a lot more than four hours actually. And, um, you know, be ready. It's a very fun and interesting and challenging moment for people to consider after the pandemic what they want to do with their lives. And I'm excited to see because this is the time is ripe for creatives, for entrepreneurs, for people who just want to leave that job they hate. You know, this is the time to bring it, we have to come and emerge out of this as the new society. Exactly. Because th yeah. that has to be the lesson, right? Right. And we really had an opportunity to reshape our world and we're doing it together the best way we can. Mm -hmm. And and I also wanted to ask you too, what was your big inspiration or who inspired you to be what you are? Was it you? Was it somebody? Who inspired you? You know, I have had a lot of heroes along my way, right? I mean, along my path. I think that I have to say Gwyneth is very inspirational to me, Gwyneth Paltrow, because not only is she so beautiful and generous and a good person, but... I feel that she was always challenging herself. I mean, it was not enough with being an Oscar winning actress. She also wanted to have a lifestyle newsletter that then became a, you know, huge success uh, as a big web media website and, and media company that it is today. It's not, you know, it's, it's in retail. It's not just a website. It's a company that has physical stores everywhere, yeah. products, whatever. So I, I think she's always inspired me tremendously. And, you know, I also, I love writers. I like, you know, Texan Brené Brown is like incredible. I feel very inspired by what Brené did. Brené built a huge business around speaking, consulting, and books. She sold a tremendous amount of books. And what she's done is really bring this world of uh, data and psychology in the way that she has conducted studies and given meaning and humanity to numbers and just studies and, you know, marking X here, X there. So people like that, or, you know, you may think, well, you, but those people are super famous. Sure. But ordinary people do amazing things every day, you know, and extraordinary things every day. And so we have that example of Gwyneth, who is Hollywood royalty, and she was born in a house with parents who had a connection yeah. to Hollywood. But then we have Brene, yeah. who was born in a ranch in Texas. And, uh, you know, she's, I don't know, fourth or fifth generation Texan or whatever, you know. So, but she had something to say that was so important, you know. And and the 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 whole you know, thesis around Brené's story and, and the work she puts out in the world is guilt and shame, right? So we have so much shame about who we are and what, you know, the things that we think the world is going to judge about us and things like that, that we end up just not 
sharing those gifts with the world. So I think that, you know, I, I think every question that you've asked and every answer sort of like goes back to the same thing for me, yeah. that is like trying to mine from within your real talents and your, your real gifts and give them to the world so that you, we can all experience it. We can all read that novel. We can all see that painting. We can all see that business. We can all benefit from the product. Everything that you have in your mind is millions of dollars in ideas and, and beauty and interesting things. And we all want to see them. We all want to see them. Absolutely. And Maria, I don't want to keep you much longer. We hit an hour, but I mean, we just, this conversation was just too good. I wish we could just keep going and talking eventually. Maybe down the line we will. But is there any last things that you want to mention? Any last things you want to talk about before I let you go? Guys, just come hang out with me at mariabrito.com. MariaBrito.com, B-R-I-T-O.com. Uh, you know, buy the book, How Creativity Rules the World. The book, especially and, the book. And we'll yeah, come with book. it too. Yeah. Yes, please. And in the meantime, I write a newsletter called The Groove that comes out every Tuesday. It's right on MariaBrito.com. You can sign up. It's free. I don't charge for newsletters. It's really fun. So... You know, it's a pleasure being with you, Isaac. I oh, appreciate so El Paso. I appreciate your audience. I send hugs and kisses and, you know, abrazos to everybody who's listening. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been and, to El Paso or anything like that? No, but no. I would love to go. So. Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting community and there's no culture like El Paso. Like, especially like me growing up here, it's always been like, once you leave El Paso and you come back, nothing ever feels the same as home. And I'm pretty sure you feel like that way too, or for your home. So yeah. Definitely. Well, no, you're making you so me much. want to go to El Paso. So you should, you know. should one day. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Maria. I appreciate you so much for coming on to the show and taking the time out of your day to be on here. And we'll talk soon. Thank you, Isaac. Thank All right. You. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. And if you haven't already, make sure you're following El Paso Creatives on Instagram, YouTube, and other social media.